Amen. I hope you're part of the blood washed band. Amen. 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 If you're not washed in that blood, then you're not part of it. That's all there is to it. Amen. Well, take your Bible, look over if you would into 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. We're going to read through verse 21. We're kicking off a new series entitled The Return of Christ. The Return of Christ. And so we're going to be looking at a few things today, setting the stage, kind of introducing that thought, that concept. And then we're going to go ahead and uh, move along here over these next weeks and uh, deal with a couple of uh, specific areas of the future, concerning our future. But uh, today we want to kind of introduce things, kick things off. So let's start in Second Peter chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 15. We'll go from there. Again, it's great to have you with us today. We trust the Lord will speak to our hearts. Without a doubt, we need Him to. The Bible says, moreover, verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. But we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Give also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Old Testament prophets, we think about them and we read about them and we even hear about their prophecies. These Old Testament prophets spake, the Bible tells us, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, moved by the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, it says in that particular passage, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 through 21, that we have also a more sure word of prophecy. That more and sure is our prophecy now in the Word of God as it's written, as it's put on paper, as it's penned here between the pages of this book, than it was even in the old days back when the Lord spoke His prophecies. Now it's in writing. Now it's in black and white. Now it's within the bounds of this book called the Bible. It is unchanging. It is consistent. We don't have to hear it from another, other's lips or from another voice. We simply read it, see it for ourselves. A more sure word of prophecy. He says, Whereunto you do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. He goes on to say, Knowing first that no prophecy of the Scripture, that's none, none of those prophecies, he says, are of any private interpretation. He says, okay, now what we have here is a prophecy, a book of prophecy. We have God's word on it. And the truth is, is that it's not of any private interpretation. You can't determine what you believe it means. And I can't say, I think, I think, it, I think it means this. And, and you say, well, I think it means that. And it doesn't really matter what we think it means. It means whatever God wants it to mean. Amen. It's not of any private interpretation. 
You can't have your interpretation and I can't have mine. It is what it is. And sadly enough, in our world, it seems that if we hear one statement more than any other, it's, well, that's what, that's how, you know, what you believe it says, or, or, you know, that's how you see it. Um, that's your interpretation. Well, the only problem is that I don't have a right to an interpretation. I don't have the authority to have an interpretation. It's God's, it, as we find here in the passage, he goes on to say, for the prophecy, the reason why it's of no private interpretation is because the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. It wasn't man that brought it about. It wasn't man that decided to write it down. It wasn't man that decided, uh, that, that, that decided what it means even. He just simply was a, a tool in the hand of God. He goes, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Literally, God moved them. Even as this pen in my hand is moved by my hand, the pen itself is just an instrument. It is the hand that makes the pen move and ultimately determines what it writes. And God took men, holy men of God, and he used them as instruments to pen his word and his prophecies. Therefore, you have no right, nor do I, to have a private interpretation of the word of God because it is God's word to interpret as he sees fit. Isn't that something? And yet that is not the premise that we function by or operate from most often. That's your interpretation of what that means. He thinks it means this. I think it means something else. Well, what does God think it means? What does God say it is? I mean, it's God's Word. So therefore, it's, it's of no private interpretation. Why? Because it was God's Word, and God determines what it means. And we have to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. Not our culture, and not our own upbringing, and not our own feelings. The fact is, is that the Old Testament prophets, for the most part, from what we can tell, did not understand what they prophesied. They didn't always have a, oh, I know exactly what that means. I know exactly where that's going. No, God gave them things. And sometimes, by faith, they just wrote or penned what God put on their heart, what he put in their mind, and he controlled the pen, and there on paper, it ended up, and they looked at it probably like you and I do sometimes and go, What? 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 You say, well, no, they had to understand that they wrote it. Uh-uh. I don't know about you, but I still remember being in school a number of times, and the teacher would write something on the blackboard and say, now make sure you write that down. I'd write it down, and I'd put it down on paper. It wasn't what I wrote. It's what the teacher wrote. And I wrote it on paper, and guess what? I didn't have a clue what it meant. And you want to know something? God was using them as instruments, and I'll tell you what, they wrote it down, but they looked at it many times and went, what? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Notice what it says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what? And what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ, and the glory that should follow. Notice the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. There were things that were written that the Old Testament prophets did not comprehend fully. They couldn't grasp it. As a matter of fact, in just a few moments, we're going to note some of those things 
And I'm going to show you that because as we get into our study, as we consider the return of Christ, we're going to note that the Old Testament prophets did not see things exactly as they are. And, and we'll explain that in just a moment. But these particular men, these prophets, believed that their prophecies as to Christ were all to be fulfilled at his first coming. They thought the prophecies that they had seen, that they had been privy to, that God had revealed, were all part of one big mountain. And therefore, we're going to see that even as the people of Christ's day looked for him to set up a temporal kingdom, they thought when he came, he would be sitting on a throne. They thought that he would ultimately elevate Israel when he came the first time. That that wasn't the case at all. The fact is, is that the prophets did not see the time in which we live. They did not understand this valley, if you will, of grace and the church. They missed it. It's not as though they, they didn't do their best to listen to God. No, they did. They wrote exactly what God told them. And yet, it's as though they almost overlooked it because it was not revealed to them somewhat. And, and again, I'm going to show you something on the screen in a minute, and it's going to be difficult because some of you won't be able to see it. And it's not as big as I'd like it to be, but I put it together yesterday the best I could. And I'm going to try to help illustrate what we're talking about. They, they failed, the prophets, to see this dispensation, that it was to intervene between that cross that they had definitely heard about and the crown in which Christ would ultimately wear. The cross, of course, representing the sufferings of Christ, the crown, the glory that should follow. So what they saw was the cross and the crown as one coming together. But in reality, it was separated. Now, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.11, again, searching what and what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. They wrote of those things, but they missed right there at the comma that whole 2,000 years that we're talking about even now. So they saw the events, and they, 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 they foretold as... Separate peaks of great, one great mountain, one big mountain, separate little peaks in that mountain. But in reality, there were some valleys between the mountaintops. And that's what I want to show you very quickly. And again, it's very hard to see, I know, because it's small. You like my smiley face? It's kind of cute, isn't it? I, I, I did that from scratch, I, I must admit. I did. I drew that from scratch on the computer. I... Some have wanted me to go into design. I think I'll just stay preaching. Not that I do much better at that. What did the prophet see? What did the prophet see? Of course, we have here a prophet, and he's looking out over history, and the Lord's giving some visions, and the Lord's giving prophecies, and we see here the, the birth of Jesus Christ. They foresaw that, of course. We know that. Micah 5.2, uh, uh, Isaiah 6.9, all of those things. We note the Calvary, the cross of Christ, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I mean, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I mean, we know that they saw those things. So they saw the birth of Christ. They saw Calvary. But you'll notice here, there's a valley that steps in. 
that's the church. That's time in which we live. They did not, did not prophesy of the church age particularly. They, they weren't very aware of it. As a matter of fact, remember, it's interesting to note, and we'll get back to that in just a moment, but take your Bible and look at the book of Acts chapter 1, would you please? Acts chapter 1. The disciples themselves provide us with evidence of this particular truth that we're speaking of, that they were not aware of what was going to transpire and take place. And the question that they asked the Lord is, in, is proof positive that the prophets did not foretell or see this valley of the church. Now notice in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, When they therefore were come together, this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they asked of him, his disciples, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? You see that? They're asking the question, Lord, will thou again restore at this time the kingdom of Israel? Will you again elevate us as a nation? Will you again elevate us in the eyes of the world? Will we once again be that great nation we were under Solomon, under David even? Will we again be the, the pinnacle and the, 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 just the, the vision of the world? I mean, will, will you establish yourself on that throne? Will you take your position as king now? And he said unto them, verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in your own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now what the Lord is, he's going to put them off a little bit. He said, listen, it's not for you to know the times. Now guess what? The prophets didn't understand this either. They didn't have the times either. That's why the disciples were asking that question. They fully anticipated Christ resurrecting at this point now. He's resurrected. So obviously, if you're here, you're resurrected, you're going to establish your kingdom, just like the prophets foretold. It's all different peaks on one big mountain, remember? We've got the birth of Christ, we've got the death of Christ, and now we have the, the reign of Christ. The, the, the cross, now the crown. It's obvious. That's what's going to happen. And he, they, he says to them, no, you, you got it mixed up, fellas. It's not quite like that. Yes, indeed. Everything that was prophesied is true. Everything is going to happen as it was prophesied. However, there's going to be a little time between the fulfillment of these prophecies. So these particular men were still seeking that literal, visible kingdom. They were still seeking that rightful throne for Jesus Christ. Notice again in our chart, we have the prophet again. And here he is, he's, he's looking across time and he sees the birth of Christ. He sees Calvary, but he misses the church there. He, he doesn't see it, he misses it. He looks right over top of it. It's not that, that, that he tried to miss it, he just wasn't given that information at that point. And he goes right over here to the man of sin, which will be the Antichrist. And he, he recognizes that there's going to be some warfare between God and his people. I mean, it, I mean, isn't that what's going to happen ultimately? Jesus Christ is returning, and when he returns, there's going to be a big battle, and he's going to then assemble and then set himself on the throne of David. We have the Son of Righteousness coming back down. So we have, we have here the, the birth of Christ, the ascension, the descent of the Holy Ghost here empowering the church during that 2,000-year period. Again, the, the prophet looked right over top that, didn't recognize that as a separate peak or a separate mountain because it just was lost in the sizable 
visions that they had concerning Christ on a throne. And so here he is now, the battle taking place, and Christ himself returning at the revelation now. And then all of a sudden, he's reigning on the throne, and we have our new heaven and new earth. And when we see it, it's all built up. To them, it looks like one big mountain as they look across time, and they see these different peaks and one great big event. But that wasn't how it was. There was a church age yet. And even Christ ruling and reigning, and this, the new heaven and new earth, were separated even by a millennial valley, which was a thousand years as well. So there's some aspect of, yeah, they had a lot of the details straight. They have a lot of the prophecies. Are, they're no doubt on target, and they're going to happen. And without doubt, it's going to take place, as God said. But there were some things they didn't quite get as far as the timing. For us today, of course, we have the advantage of hindsight. And we can distinguish between the first and the second coming of Jesus Christ. We can do that because we, again, have hindsight. We know that he already came one time. And yet there are prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled. Although many prophecies were fulfilled in his coming, the fact is, is that there are other prophecies yet to be fulfilled. We consider the return of Christ. And we are blessed to have this a greater insight concerning this matter due to the New Testament. We understand that the second coming even is comprised of two elements. One, as we noted on our chart, the rapture. And two, the revelation. The rapture, of course, meaning Christ is returning, but only in the clouds, where then he'll assemble those who have put their faith and trust in him and are the children of the Lord Jesus Christ through the new birth. His family will be taken out of the earth as he returns only to the clouds, not completely to the earth yet. Seven years later, after the tribulation period, then Christ will come down all the way to the earth. So we have the rapture of the church, Christ's church. Those that are born again and saved will be taken out at the rapture. Then after the seven-year tribulation, then he returns, the revelation, bringing his saints with him and kicking off into his millennial reign. The revelation coming all the way to the earth, establishing his literal, visible kingdom. The second coming. Two parts. Rapture, revelation, and then the reign. I want you to note next how the New Testament or the Apostle Paul puts this all together. He sees things from a different perspective because the Lord spoke to him with greater detail. In this view, we've cut off a little bit of the last chart and I expanded it slightly. Here we have just the birth, Calvary, and then we have the rapture revelation. So we took a cross section of that. And I want you to note how the Apostle Paul breaks it down. In the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, he reveals to us these different events in history. Notice he goes on to say, as we look at the first coming of Christ, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. 
For the grace, I'll tell you what, let's turn there because you can't see those at the bottom. Let's turn there. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Timothy, Titus. If you get to Timothy, go right, you'll be in Titus. Titus, chapter 2. Notice what it says here, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. We have the birth of Christ. He's appeared to all men, salvation. Jesus is salvation. There is no salvation in any other. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is not found in a church. It's not found in any institution. It's not even found in a lifestyle. It's found in a person, Jesus Christ. And Paul the Apostle says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Jesus, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld Him as uh, the, the only begotten of the Father. He is God in flesh, and He is literally salvation. So Paul makes that first coming. He speaks of it in verse 11 of that passage. But notice in Titus chapter 2, verse 12 now. The Bible says, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and, ungo and godly in this present world. So, now we have Titus 2.11 that refers to that first coming. Titus chapter 2, Paul now tells us how we're to live between the comings. Between the time he came the first time and between the second coming. Which, what falls in between those two? The church. So for us, you and I today, Paul gives us a very, very brief summary. And yet very, I mean, it's, it's packed. He says, teaching us. That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That is what we are to be doing today between the comings. The first coming, 2.11. The, 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 the period of the church and what our responsibility as believers are, found in Titus 2.12. And then notice Titus 2.13, as we talk about the second coming, looking for that blessed hope. The rapture is often called the blessed hope. Nothing new. It's called the blessed hope. So we see the rapture, the second coming. Remember we said it's comprised of two elements, the rapture and the revelation. Paul makes sure that we understand that again as he splits the verse and says, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He's coming to the earth and he will appear to all mankind according to Zechariah. So we see Paul breaking down the coming, the second coming of Christ. He see the first coming and the second coming in between. This is how you live. There it is. Paul had a much clearer view of the comings of Christ because God had revealed that to him. The Old Testament prophets, as we said earlier, looked over top of many of that, over those things. They didn't do anything wrong. They were obedient to Christ. They fulfilled their purpose in the Lord. We have been given some tremendous prophecies that extend past the church age, way on into the future. And we can trust the Lord to fulfill those. But the Apostle Paul was given greater revelation or more concise clearer revelation concerning these comings, and he provides for us truths that we need to recognize. The rapture and the revelation are both part of the second coming. And that's why so many of the prophecies can be applied to both. 
and yet we are wise to carefully divide them as needed. Once in a while, there's a prophecy on the second coming of Christ that applies to the revelation specifically versus the rapture. The rapture specifically versus the revelation. But as a whole, most of those verses that deal with the return of Christ, the prophets saw them in past, looked right on into it, saw it there, and he wrote those things that God gave to him, and they apply to that second coming. And we can take that and we can run with it and we can see it plain as day, and it helps to clarify what we can expect and look forward to. And over these next weeks, we're going to take some time to look at the rapture. We're going to take time the next week to look at the revelation. And then we're going to take some time to look at the reign of Christ, which is indicative of that millennial reign. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. But what are we really going to learn along the way? More than anything else, I believe what we're going to learn is that God keeps His word and His promises. That's really what we learn. That, that's, that's what we really glean and what we really get. Is that our God keeps His word and His promises. You know, there are times that... Excuse me. There are times that um, we may claim a promise from God. And we expect it to be fulfilled immediately in our life. Okay, God, I'm going to take and claim that promise. I'm going through a difficult time. I'm having a hard time in this area or struggling in this area. Or maybe there's a need in my life or my family. And, and I'm claiming that promise, Lord. And we expect it to be fulfilled immediately. But we find that it's not. You know, the devil, he's going to use that disappointment in your life. to sow seeds of doubt and even possibly resentment toward God himself. You know, sometimes as humans, we just struggle with the reality of God. We struggle with just allowing Christ to be real in our life today. We get so caught up in our world and the activities of this day and a need arises. We go to God and we claim a promise in the word of God and it seems as though we're still on our own somewhat. It seems as though he doesn't come through. Oh, that car that we need, he didn't give us a brand new one. Oh, that, that situation with living and housing, it didn't come through like we thought it should come through. And we prayed and we asked God and he didn't answer us. And the devil will say, see, he's not real. Don't you see, he, he doesn't care. He's not concerned about you. And boy, I'll tell you what, that disappointment that we feel because we doubt the promise of God, because we believe that if He was really real, if He honestly promised it, then why isn't it coming through right now when I need it? On my timetable. The Old Testament prophets saw exactly what would come to pass. They simply failed to recognize when they would come to pass. You see that? I mean, they knew exactly what was going to come to pass. God had made it very clear what would transpire and take place. The problem was they didn't see exactly when. And they could turn around and said, and, 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 and let's be honest, they did do this. Jesus shows up. I mean, God in flesh, Emmanuel. And here he is preaching and proclaiming the word of God himself. Here he is saying, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And he says, listen, 
I am Messiah. I am the chosen one. I am the one that's been promised of way back, the one in Genesis 18. I'm the one that was promised in Isaiah chapter 9. I'm the one in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. I'm the one in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. I am that one that you looked for and that you longed for and that you're waiting for. And they said, wait a second. No, you're not. We know the Bible. The Bible says that when you come, you're going to knock these Romans off of their pedestal. You're going to exalt Israel, and you're going to take your place on the throne of David and ruin reign. You're not him. Yes, I am. You just can't see that your timing is not my timing. You see that? I can see why they got confused. I can understand why they were struggling. It bothers me, but I probably would have been part of the crowd going, crucify him, crucify him. I probably would have been. Because I would have probably been so disappointed in him. So disappointed that the promise isn't coming true when it should be at this point. If you claim to be him, then why in the world aren't you ruling and reigning? If you claim to be him, why are you going to end up on a cross between two thieves? If you're truly him, why aren't you going to go ahead and elevate Israel and, and again restore to us the glory that we once knew? And the devil said, see, he's not real. See, he's not really all he claims to be. He's not Messiah. He's not Jesus the Christ. You know, the devil will do that to you and I today. We may claim to know him as Savior and Lord. And yet, a difficult time arrives in our life and we go to God. Oh God, I need you. Oh God, meet my need. Oh God, provide for me. Oh God, protect me. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And we go, you did. Because when I asked, you weren't there to heal me. You didn't. Deliver me the way I thought you should. You didn't provide for me and my family the way I expected. So you, you did abandon me. Maybe you're not real at all. Maybe I've been wasting my time trying to love a God who's not real at all. Serve a Jesus who isn't really with me always. Maybe you knew somebody like that. Maybe you've been there before. It's not hard to get there if you'll be honest with yourself. I've been there. But thank God His promises are true. And although we may not always understand the timing of his promises, we can rest assured that they are true and faithful. Amen. The Bible tells us in Titus 1-2, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. In Psalm 119, verse 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. The truth is that God always keeps his word and any misunderstanding is not evidence of his failure, but instead evidence of our faithlessness. 
The Old Testament prophets saw exactly what would come to pass. They simply failed to recognize when they would come to pass. And the truth is sometimes our timing is not God's timing because His ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And sometimes we think we know what the answer ought to be. And we look at the Bible and we misapply or misappropriate a promise. And we say it ought to be fulfilled now. And God goes, no, just because I haven't showed up to meet that need as you expect it to be met, I promise you I am working behind the scenes to produce and provide everything you really need. When it appears that God is not keeping His promises, that's proof positive that we are either misappropriating his promises or misunderstanding the timing. That's all it is. But you can rest assured, he is God. What is your alternative? A big bang? You know, what's your alternative? Faith that time began on its own? That the universe just happened to show up at some point? That matter just appeared out of nothingness? That's the alternative, friend. Someone says, yeah, but that makes more sense to me. You really thought that through? I, I mean, what's the alternative? Now think with me a moment today. God created you. You say, but I don't really like what he created a whole lot. I wish it was a little taller. I wish he had a little more hair. Now, I don't have to worry about those things. I used to be all the things that I wanted to be. <laughs> Maybe not. Okay, but nonetheless, I remember being a kid, and there was this fella that he played football for Ellet High School. He was a fellow by the name of Cockerham. Man, tough dude, man. He was a bad dude. Linebacker, man, he was tough. Went to the University of Akron with a scholarship, from what I understand. He was 5'11". I thought, man, if I could only be 5'11". 5'11", I'd be mean like Cockerham. I'd be a bad dude. I'd go to college on a scholarship. I'd play in the NFL. I didn't quite make it. And there have been times as a young man I'd think, Lord, let me grow. Let me grow. I'd pray and pray. And the Lord never heard my prayer. He just didn't answer the way I thought he should answer. Well, I'll tell you what, sadly enough, we find ourselves there sometimes, don't we? God, help us to realize he created us. And you know, the way you're created and who you are and what you are is exactly what fits best in this place. You're needed the way you are. You say, but I, I would like to be a little different. Okay, well then work on that, and if God will permit it, then so be it. I say we always strive to be better and to become what God wants us to be. But still, the fact is, is that you were created by God. And you know what? If you know the Savior, then you have been saved by Him. Forgiven of your sin. Their sin to never be remembered again created by God 
converted by the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, but the Bible says that he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Oh, there are lonely times in life. A husband walks out on a wife. A wife walks out on a husband. A child is left without a parent. A death takes place in a home. News, bad news comes across your desk and into your life. Oh, there are lonely times. There are times that no one's comfort but his can meet the need. But he promised, and we must believe, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Not only that, but if that's the case, you've been created and you've been converted and the Lord is, is with you in communion and fellowship. He's provided every good thing in your life. Anything that you can think of for your existence that is of any value to you or that you find to be of any, any plus, it has always been God that's doing that work in your life. That special memory with that husband or wife, that special memory with that child or loved one, that time that you spent together out in the, 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 the park together, anything that comes to your mind that is a positive thought, a good thought, is all a result of God's grace and mercy. Amen. He's even reserved you a home in heaven then. If God is indeed God and He is creator and He made you and created you, and now, because of his wonderful love for you, he died on Calvary, was buried and rose again, and his blood was shed for you, and you accepted his payment for sin as your payment. You are his child now. You're saved by the blood of Christ. And his, his grace and his mercy is with you. His person is with you. He'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. But not only that, not only in this life do we have him and his promises, but we have the next. A home reserved in heaven for you. A home reserved in heaven for you. When people die, one of my great concerns for family is that children or others become bitter and view God as being no good. That's always a concern for me when I see death. May God help us as believers to be strong in our faith and understand that He, the Lord Jesus, is always good. And that heaven is better than anything we could ever imagine on earth. And that our families must understand that truth as we raise them. That we have so much to look forward to. Not just in this life, but even more so in the next. God help us to truly recognize what he's done already. His promises are true. The Old Testament saints, the prophets, looked over history, looked over time, and God gave them a blueprint. Oh yeah, there were some holes in the blueprint, 
because God's not obligated to tell us everything in our timing. But then the New Testament comes along and the Apostle Paul is given a little bit more information and that blueprint is filled in. And now we know that God's promises are indeed true, that without doubt He keeps His word. And even as he kept his word to come the first time, he will once again return as he has promised. I want to close with this verse. Take your Bible, if you would. Turn to 2 Corinthians, please. Chapter 6, verse 2. We often look at eternity and we try to describe eternity. And if eternity was described, and it is impossible to do so because it is infinite, but assuming that eternity begins at one side of the room and runs to the next, we often say that, just for the sake of illustration, allow this piece of paper to represent your place in eternity. Your place in eternity. In retrospect to eternity. The thickness of this piece of paper represents your life in light of eternity. Now think about that for just a moment. Think about how hard we hold on to this when we have all of this. God's promises exceed this. The majority of God's promises for the believer do not fall in this period of time. The majority of them are compassed in this eternity in which we think about. The passage says this, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, For he saith, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Within the context of this life in eternity, there is a place and a time when God speaks to our hearts and gives us an opportunity to not just experience this, but to experience this with joy. And the Bible tells us very simply, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you've not allowed Jesus Christ, who is God in flesh, who did die on a cross and pay for your sin, who did willingly offer himself as payment for your sin, you have yet to trust and receive him and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trust him with your life and your eternity, then today's that day. Don't, don't miss it. Don't allow yourself to somehow think that this is what really living is all about. Don't miss this for a piece of this. This morning it's your decision. What will you do with Jesus? Because when it's all said and done, folks, 
let's be honest. If we live 10 more years in this life, it'll actually mean nothing in eternity. What's 10 years? What is it? It's nothing. If my whole life is a vapor, then what's 10 years? But you can gain eternity today. You can be assured of an eternal home and the presence of Christ forever today. Don't pass it up. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Isn't it sad to think, well, I want a few more years of pleasure. I won't give it up. And then miss it all. God help us. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, that you are God of promises and that you keep your word. Lord, there's times that <laughs> we don't see you answering prayers or we don't see your promises being fulfilled on our timetable.